This episode of the Accidental Farm podcast initially appeared as a blog post that I authored in 2020 on day 34 of our initial quarantine at the beginning of the pandemic. I want to share this version of the story with you here, now. I'm so glad that you're here. Please consider sharing the podcast with a friend when you're done listening. It's a good one. We bought our house, a simple single-family home, on 65 acres in 2008. When I was rooting around in the basement, as one does after buying a house with years and layers in its history, I found a partly crushed cardboard box full of dog-eared, coffee-stained papers. Warranties for long-dead appliances, random receipts, handwritten notes... Flipping through them, one document in particular caught my eye. A permit from the State Department of Environmental Conservation outlined that in 2001, seven years before, the pond had been stocked with seven triploid grass carp. The carp eat grass, and that makes the pond nice. And because our pond, which is nearly an acre big, is spring-fed and near a reservoir, the DEC cares. As a matter of fact, no one will sell you these carp without such a permit. In 2020, just so you don't have to do the math, those fish would have been 19 years old at a minimum. Add a year or two to the age of the fish, whatever you choose, assuming that the DEC-approved hatchery did not sell days-old hatchlings to the previous owners. Let's call it a 20-year-old fish, okay? Before you suggest it, let's add another important fact to this story. In case you are thinking that some of the seven original carp from 2001 must have had offspring, because no fish in a pond could possibly be that old, you should know that triploid grass carp are sterile, like mules. This is yet another reason that the DEC permits them. These carp will not take over local waterways as an invasive species. Over the years, I've walked the banks of the pond, forgetting the fish live beneath the surface. And we would surprise each other. The fish would turn suddenly, setting off a series of waves, splashes, and echoing ripples that would continue across the pond to the opposite sides. I, on the other hand, would scream, jump back, and then double over with laughter at myself and my aquatic neighbor. Our pond is deep in the middle. It is spring-fed and has a good exit drain that heads to a local stream. Every winter it freezes. It's windswept, too, which makes it an excellent place to skate. The pond is home to a lot of fish, bass mostly, a few carp, salamanders, and some frogs, but not too many. I wonder how deep they need to go to overwinter. And I always wonder if the big carp will make it back in the spring. One morning, while I was cutting back the grasses at the pond's edge to ready them for spring growth, I noticed a large white mass on the pond's opposite shore. Plastic? No. A fish? Hmm. I didn't go too close, but later, back at the house, I watched two vultures circle in and land on a small peninsula that juts into the pond near this white object. They approached it cautiously, inching awkwardly closer craning their ugly necks. Then they left. An hour later, two crows landed, also cautious. Then one started in, pecking and lifting pieces of white flesh from the floating corpse. Watching them through my binoculars, it dawned on me. 
this fish was too big to be just any fish. Our carp had come to its final day. The word was definitely out. Raptors, vultures, hawks, falcons, and eagles circled the pond. None were braver than that first crow. Days went by and the community of birds got closer. A lone bald eagle landed. She had a day of eating fish undisturbed by her peers. She ate so long that we wondered if she would be too full to fly away. On day two, two more bald eagles joined. One, a juvenile with its head still brown. Only one seemed to be allowed on the peninsula at a time. The other two would take turns in nearby trees. When two landed, they would squabble, wings flapping, water splashing, and then calming down and reverting to their watch, eat, watch, eat routine from the shore and the trees. Over the course of five or six days, the party continued with as many as six bald eagles attending, other raptors hovering, geese watching, and ducks paddling nearby. On the seventh day, in a torrential sideways rain, when the feast had ended, I went to pay my respects. She was a masterpiece. I paused to survey her long skeleton. I measured her head by my boot and marveled at her enormous eye sockets. From skull to the end of her spine, she measured 38 inches, but surely in all of her glory with her tail and flesh intact, she would have been easily 40 plus inches long. In a way, something was right about this fish's death and the life it attracted in its wake. The constant parade of living birds swimming by, soaring, circling, inspecting, and picking the carcass clean over the course of more than a week. It felt somber, quiet, respectful, and full of homage. It was a proper send-off, a cycle, from nature back into nature. Goodbye, old friend. Thank you for being here, for keeping the pond clean for providing an air of mystery, an occasional surprise, and a certain fascination for all these years. I feel good knowing that you had a beautiful life in the waters of this pond, and I feel even better to have been a participant in the celebration of your life after it ended, and with such glorious, stately, honorable company. This is the Accidental Farm Podcast, and I am your host, Farm Girl. My real name is Dana. The podcast is a daily, five minutes a day, Monday through Friday. The best way to support this podcast is to listen. If you've missed some, go back. The story gets fuller and richer that way. And if you want to take an extra step to support it, please write a review on iTunes. Reviews from dedicated listeners help more people like you find us here on this accidental farm. Excellent.